Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Hop Day edition of The Yard at long last. Boneyard time is here. Happy to be with you. Got a lot to talk about, man. It has been a busy, busy week. For the Mississippi State Bulldog fan base. Man alive. What a roller coaster. Crazy. I'm going to talk a lot about that today. I know you guys are dying for some inside information. I'm going to give you some. We're going to talk a little bit about recruiting. We're going to talk about Dakota Jordan. We're going to talk about what's next for Mississippi State baseball. And uh, I'm probably going to do some preaching here today, too. We'll uh, pass around an offering plate for NIL, and we'll hum just as I am, and we'll have you come down, and we'll lay hands on you and see if we can exercise some of these negative demons out of you. How'd that be? Probably be revival in the streets if we could do that. But nevertheless, one thing I'm going to say before we get into all this stuff, because I don't want to spend the whole time, people oh, I like it when Steve like, talks negatively about me when I'm negative. Well, I'm going to. I'm going to. It is important to understand things change. Period. That's life. It's not just about sports. It's life. I mean, how many... Did you marry the first girl you dated? No, probably not. Maybe some of you did. I didn't. Maybe you did. And, and what did Garth tell us? Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Amen to that, Right? So the reality of it is, it's important to understand, not to overreact. So the root, it started making the rounds here as of late on Monday. We may have a problem with Dakota. We know it's been kind of tenuous for a while, but the the early reports, maybe a week ago, were, hey, this is going to work out. That's it. Don't, uh, let let me rephrase that. Please don't run to Facebook and social media and start bashing a student athlete. Please. How is Mississippi State's interest served with you running to Twitter or I'm going to tell him how dare he? And now you got egg on your face today because I can promise you you didn't change anything except making us all look bad, mainly yourself. Stop doing it. I mean, show some restraint. That's part of being an adult. It's what separates us from the animals. We have the ability to reason. I give credit. I'm not going to give their real names. I've got a couple posters that are very well connected with MSU Baseball, and they tried to prepare people yesterday and said, hey, there may be something going on with the portal, but don't freak out. Well, it didn't do anything. (laughs) It did not do anything. To stop the freakout, because the freakout came. We knew how the news was going to be received, and I'll tell you, again, we're going to get more in-depth here in the next segment of the show. But even without the disclaimer, and even without the post of saying, hey, here's a little heads up, just to give you guys some, we're not going to be blindsided by this, but don't freak out. We still freaked out. And I know a lot of it comes from a good place. I know it's because we love Mississippi State. We love Mississippi State baseball. 
And if somebody doesn't want us, just like that first girl we dated, you know, to heck with her, right? How dare she reject us? And that's kind of how we feel sometimes. We personalize so much of the stuff for the transfer portal. There's so many people it feels like that a player, because they enter the portal, they don't want you. That's just not true. They don't even know who you are until you go out there on Twitter and embarrass yourself and the program and the university and your fellow fans. Then they know who you are. Congratulations. It's never a personal thing. Not to mention there are some players that we encourage to go in the portal. There are some guys we'll tell them, hey, I don't think the prospects of you playing here are very good. I just want to be up front with you. However, we'd support you getting in the portal. And, uh, you know, we're happy to make some calls on your behalf. That happens all the time. But you don't know that. You're not privy to that conversation. So I do my best to try to share that with you when I learn of it without embarrassing a kid. But a lot of these times, we didn't lose a player. They lost us. And it's not that we wish harm on them. We, we wish them the best. Things just don't always work out, especially under the old recruiting rules. We'd have kids committing in the eighth and ninth and grade. They're not even driving yet. They already made a college decision. That's crazy. I mean, seriously, it is. So now the rules have changed a little bit, which is going to be good because you get longer to evaluate, guys. You do. But... The bottom line is this. We have had this conversation many, many, many times before. Don't tweet at recruits. Don't tweet negative stuff at your players or former players. And I, I would recommend uh, don't tweet negative stuff at any player. You know, what if there's a guy out there at University of Alabama that strikes out in a big ball game and we have John Q. Bulldog out there on Twitter talking trash to that kid, next thing you know he's in the portal. But Steve – if he's that thin-skinned, we don't want him here. Not your decision. I hate to break it to you, but it's not. It's not your decision. I think, you know, we talk all the time about family. And psh, players come and go, right? But the reality of it is, is we should be a family. We should always be a family. Us as fans and caretakers in the Mississippi State athletics experience, we can always remain family. We can. That's not to say we're all going to always be in one accord. We're not. That's one of the things that makes it great. But our core values should say we want what's best for Mississippi State, period. And it's not good for Mississippi State. We go out there and act like unmitigated idiots on social media because we don't get our way. We're like a bunch of spoiled, entitled brats. So let's please stop doing that. Please, 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 please stop doing that. And if you're a person that has some sense, you know, uh, when you see somebody have an emotional reaction to this, maybe you counterbalance that and say, you know what, this guy didn't speak for the most of us. The majority of us do not feel this way. Because sometimes if we let those people talk, they're the only ones talking. Got to have some counterbalance. It's one of the reasons that I get out there in those Facebook groups and I respond. Because sometimes people put something out there that is completely fabricated, absolutely, completely devoid of fact. And if you let it go unchallenged, then the casual fan would be like, hey, maybe this is true. Maybe it is true. Maybe Crush Simonis did, uh, you know, throw a sack of puppies out of the river. You know, right? If we don't get out there and tell the truth, then people accept what's purported as fact to be fact. Just not the case. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I was in there earlier this week, man. I went by there again. Again, the street continues. The Mississippi barbecue burger, it never gets old, man. It doesn't. And I'm an addict, you know, so like when I find something that works for me, I just kind of stick with it. The Mississippi Barbecue Burger, 
works for Steve Robertson. And it's weird, though. I don't get the, uh, you know, the fried onions, the onion straws. I don't get those, but I get the onion rings. It's weird. It really is. I love the onion rings there. They give you the comeback sauce. I don't use it. I just like my onion rings. Just, I mean, right out of the grease. Just go ahead and put them there on the tray, and I'll eat them. And then I uh, get that Nutella shake to go. That's a full experience. When I go by myself, I don't have the spring rolls because I feel like, you know what, if I'm not out with the wife, I'm not, you know, I'm not on a date or anything, then maybe I'm already attractive enough. But there are other times I'm thinking, you know what, I want to look my best for her. made the comment to her yesterday. I said, I think I'm more handsome than I ever have been. I'm just joking. But it's true. It's true. I'm aging great. Told a friend of mine the other day, he goes, man, it's a shame we got to get old. I said, no, it's a good thing we're good looking. We're getting older, but we're still good looking. And that's for all of us because we eat those spring rolls. Uh, three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Uh, be aware, too, soon we'll have some more tap takeovers and some more live music there in Tupelo. Kind of a one-stop shop now, right? Bulldog Burger Company. It's not just a place to go eat. It's a place to go to be entertained. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's get to it. Now, I'm going to tell you some of what I know. I'm not going to tell you all of what I know. Okay, so you're going to have to forgive me. I'm going to give you what you need to know. That's what you listen for, right? All right, so I would say, let's see here. I would say about three weeks ago, I mean, shortly after the SEC tournament uh, began, I had a couple people close to the program tell me, hey, you know, listen, you know, we got to be kind of careful how we navigate through this, especially with Hunter Hines, Dakota Jordan. We got some other guys, too, that we're, we're having to watch because we know there's going to be, you know, third party people uh, that contact them and, and perhaps try to influence them to get in the portal. That doesn't always mean another school. Sometimes it does, but sometimes there are people out there that think they're acting on behalf of a student athlete or suggest that they are. To encourage them to go in the portal because of the fact that they know that perhaps there's going to be some NIL compensation. That's not always the case in baseball. Sometimes you've got people that are kind of positioning themselves to be someone's agent in advance of a draft. And so when the draft comes, all of a sudden they're the agent, so they get a percentage of that, right? So there is always an element of that. And that's really around college sports these days. We are in a very, very, very precarious situation in college athletics right now we are and again it's because of the inaction of Mark Emmert and his group when they were in charge of the NCAA this is where we are now Greg Sankey and many others are working to try to get our arms around this thing and kind of get some semblance of control because right now it's a wild wild west so we start hearing okay Hunter Hines is pretty close you know Hunter just wants to be appreciated and he should be. Hunter Hines is a star, not just at Mississippi State, but in the Southeastern Conference and in some respects the country. And, you know, honestly, if uh, we put in a big year this year, as we expect from him, we get back to where we're supposed to be, that's a guy nationally people are going to know. Hunter Hines always wanted to be a Bulldog. He was. And so he wasn't looking to leave, but at the same time, too, you, you got to take care of your guys. You do. So shortly after Hunter Hines tweets out that Bulldog Initiative graphic, I'm told, hey, yeah, Dakota's next, and it's close. It's close. And he was the guy we were probably the most worried about. You know, there were some people in Dakota's life last summer 
in advance of last year's draft that were trying to get him to sign and not come to school. Now, he was saying, oh, I'm, a, I'm coming to school, I'm coming to school, coming to school. But, you know, you never know, right? But I got some friends that are MLB scouts, and they said, but yeah, he's telling everybody he wants to come to school. That said, there were some people around him like, no, 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 he needs to sign, needs to sign, needs to sign. They didn't want him coming to school. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's somebody that should be involved in him. The bottom line is this, is that there were people that were advising him to sign. And they were telling pro teams, he'll sign for X. Well, that didn't happen. And guys like Dakota Jordan typically don't come to school. It's just the reality of it. When when you have guys that physically gifted, that incredibly athletic, those guys typically sign at high school. It's pretty rare. It really is. The fact that we got him on campus in the first place, and it was sort of anticlimactic because he had said for months, now I'm going to school. Now, sometimes that's a negotiation ploy. I interviewed Billy Hampton years ago. Man, I love that kid, too. I absolutely do. He played uh, for my cousin Chuck Robertson at Taylorsville in football. And uh, Chuck also won a state championship at Taylorsville. How about that? But Chuck reached out to me. It may have been his older brother, Joe Michael, my cousin Joe Michael, that uh, used to own Catfish One. And he goes, hey, man, Chuck's got this kid, man. He is, in every sport, he is the best athlete. And a lot of people were telling me, hey, this kid is going to sign for big box Major League Baseball. So I get his, Billy's number, because uh, Mississippi State's recruiting him. There's talk about, you know, an offer, that kind of stuff. And so track him down and interview him. And the interview is, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes old. And I get a phone call from a guy. and says, hey, 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 I'm uh, Billy's advisor. And uh, I want to make sure that article says that he plans on going to school. I said, well, that's, that's what he said. You know, he said he was open in some situations, but he planned to go to school. He goes, no, 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 no. We're not open to anything. He is absolutely going to school. Well, I knew better, but that's what the guy wanted me to write. And, again, that's part of the negotiation. They want to make these guys believe they're coming to school so they can get more money. That's how the game is played. There's a little bit of dishonesty and ambiguity with all of it. And so you wonder, you know, because of that Billy Hamilton experience, of course, because he absolutely signed and uh, went pro. He played in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. That's the last time he ever put on a football helmet. Never came to Mississippi State to be that wide receiver. But, you know, he had a plan. And so you wonder about that with, with, uh, with Coda. You begin to wonder, okay, hey, is, is Dakota being advised to say this publicly? Because you you're always open to that. It's, that's one of the things, I guess – yeah, I'm one of those kind of people, like, my wife is the kind of person that looks for the good in everybody. I don't. I don't. And maybe it's because of the lives we've led. But I always think that you know, people are angling. You know, you get burned on this kind of stuff. And so I always had that in the back of my mind. This could be a ploy uh, with Major League Baseball teams. But the scouts were kind of, you know, telling me some things that made me think, you know what, this kid's telling the truth. He's not being advised to say this. But again, that's sad. There were some people that were saying, you know what, he needs to sign. Needs to sign, needs to sign, needs to sign. Well, of course, you know, if you're an agent and your client goes to college, you don't get any commission on that. Right? So a lot of these people out here that work in agency circles, it's in their best interest for guys to go ahead and sign. Now, agents like Scott Boris and people like that, they have a ton of clients. They understand, hey, if a guy like Dakota Jordan goes to school at Mississippi State and puts together two to three good years, we're going to get a bigger payday. 
he's going to do it on a bigger stage. And then at the end of the day, you know, we're going to get the big check. Instead of being suckers for the quick reward, let's go for the long play. That's why it's important to have people that represent you that have the wherewithal to kind of stick this thing out. You know, not everybody's Jerry Maguire. You under, if you understand the point that I'm making, you know, a lot of people have a bunch of clients and they can, uh, they can afford to wait it out. There are other people out there that, um, you know what, they get desperate. They get the offer. Let's just jump on it, man. I, I've, got, I've got bills to pay, right? So that's all important to understand. So Dakota comes to school, has a freshman All-American campaign. You guys saw it yourself. This guy is ultra, ultra talented. Over the weekend, I began to hear some murmurings. It's like, hey, this whole thing, you know, would... it's gotten a little bit complicated. But we're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. So that's always in the backdrop, right? I mean, in the back of your mind. So then Monday, we get the news that uh, Justin Parker is going to be the new pitching coach at Mississippi State. Very, very big deal for Mississippi State baseball and for Chris Simonis. And I've already heard from some player parents that are absolutely overjoyed that Justin Parker got the job. Overjoyed. I had one, one player's parent in particular that told me, hey, my kid met with Justin Parker and he sees a couple things that we can do. You know, a couple things that we can do to kind of fine-tune some things. So, yeah, the kids are pumped. I'm pumped. You should be pumped. Well, Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo, get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free.
That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from Bayer. I didn't want to put anything out there on Monday because, again, it felt like, okay, we're working to get this thing resolved. So Monday evening, I find out, hey, man, Dakota's going to go in the portal. I'm like, nah, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to go in the portal. I'm thinking, is this definite? I said, well, we're still working on it. But, yeah, he's going to go in the portal. So Tuesday morning, get up. Word's beginning to make the rounds. Behind the scenes, this is going to happen. Mississippi State officials uh, talked to mom. They reached out to Dakota. By four, I checked at 4 o'clock. Uh, of course, we have people that have access to the portal at 247. And uh, he had not been entered in the portal at 4 o'clock. So basically, by close of business yesterday, Dakota goes in the portal. And then the freak out comes. And then I'm not going to sit here and say it's not warranted because we need him. We need Dakota Jordan at Mississippi State. And I think Dakota Jordan needs Mississippi State. You got a lineup that he can hit in that we're, you know, we can protect him a little bit. But the reality of it is, is he was in the portal. I still had people telling me as late as 7 o'clock last night, hey, just let things play out. We're still working. We're still working. We're still working. We're still working. I get up this morning, get a tip. The Dakota has withdrawn from the portal. As I'm on that phone conversation, I get another text. Dakota's out of the portal. And so I'm like, well, what happened? Because I know many of you are thinking, well, we must have wrote a big check. Not true. And, I, and, I, and I'm talking to the people that would know. They say, oh, well, this all must have been a negotiation ploy. It wasn't. It wasn't. My personal opinion is Dakota was getting some bad advice, and he he. And his mother made the best decision for himself. What did Dakota Jordan want to do? I had some people yesterday tell me, I don't even think the kid wants to leave. I think he's being advised to leave. I don't think he wants to. And I think in the end, Dakota Jordan and his mother took ownership of this decision. So you know what? Hey, this is what we want to do. And you've got to think about this too. Dakota Jordan, this time next year, is going to be getting ready to sign a huge check. Right? He is going to be endorsing life-changing type money. If he stays healthy, Dakota Jordan, I mean, I've had, I had an MLB scout tell me today he could be a top five pick in the draft next year. That's the type of MLB potential he has. A lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, he's a first-rounder for sure. Top five? Can you begin to think about that money? Now, of course, if he goes into the wrong situation, it may cost him some money. It may cost him some significant money. So while this, people say, well, it's all about money. Yeah, I think it's about money, but not the way you see it. It's not about NIL money. It's about Major League Baseball money. He stays at Mississippi State, plays with his friends. Mom is just down the road. She can come to games. He can run home and see her whenever he wants to, right? And I'm going to stick it out for one more year because I'm draft eligible next summer. 
So why would I want to leave and go start somewhere else? But more importantly, it was Dakota Jordan's love for Mississippi State. He chose Mississippi State in the very first place because he loved Mississippi State baseball. Do you guys not remember his reaction to the walk-off against Ole Miss? That wasn't so much to bring Ole Miss down as it was to bring Mississippi State up. And he runs out into the stands and he jumps up over the fence to Rod Gibson. Rod Gibson, Rod Gibson, of course. I can't believe how I said that. This is a family. This is where Dakota Jordan wants to be. And from what I'm told last night, as these calls begin to come in, he began to get uncomfortable. He's like, you know, this, is, this isn't what I want to do. Now, could things change? Absolutely. I mean, some of the same people that have been advising him, they're not going to stop. But this is a huge step. He goes in, he comes out. He wasn't even in the portal 24 hours. And now a lot of people are like, well, you know, he was leaving because he doesn't like Lamontis. Completely false. So, but if that's to be believed, if your sources, LOL, are to be believed, and he elects to come back, then that must mean he loves Lamontis. Right? You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, he hates Lamontis, he's leaving. And then he stays. So what does that say about your sourcing? Because it's amazing when the internet you know, became a thing so that everybody, all of a sudden, everybody got all this access to programs that I don't understand. And I get phone calls about it all the time. Where in the world is this guy getting this? Coach, I don't know. No clue. No idea where it's coming from. And so I say that to say this. In order for Mississippi State baseball to take the step we need to take next year, we have to have Dakota Jordan. We have to. And it's not just because of optics. Like people say, well, you know, he's a star player. How, we, how, if we're losing our star player, how can we attract other star players? That is a very reasonable and well-thought-out comment. It is. And I share the same sentiment. The optics on that are terrible. It's like, well, why would I want to go there? Dakota Jordan was an All-American and he's leaving. Something must not be right. That's what you would infer. It's not true, but I understand somebody on the outside looking in, maybe having that, that opinion. But it's not about the optics. And you know what? We could probably go in the portal and, you know, what Dakota hit 307 last year with 10 bombs and 40 ribbies as a freshman and say, you know what? Hey, we could probably find a guy to get us 10 bombs and hit 300. And you know what? We still need that guy. And I know we might be able to match last year's production, but can we match next year's potential? There are not a, guy, a lot of guys in the portal of the talent level of Dakota Jordan. So it's like, oh, we'll get somebody else. Yeah, we'll get somebody else, but it'll just be somebody else. It's not going to be a guy the same caliber and talent of Dakota Jordan. That's to be completely understood. Like, well, they don't want to be here. Let them go. Okay. Okay. I, I get that too. But the reality of this situation is we need to go to Jordan. And now we have him back. Now we've got to navigate through this thing now for the better part of, uh, what, three, three, three and a half weeks. He's going to be leaving for Team USA Baseball, which I think will be a good thing. But the fact that he goes in and then comes right back out, it's very significant. And, again, it speaks to the whole thing of 
he was being advised poorly and probably not in his best interest. And then he decides, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. I know what other people are telling me I should do, but this is what I want to do. He's in control of that part of the process. And if you don't think Ross Highfield and Hunter Hines are a part of that, you're kind of kidding yourself. Those guys are tight, man. They understand. Young nucleus of players kind of move this thing forward. we got to supplement it. we got to go out and get some guys in the portal. We do. We ain't got to go through a complete roster overall, but, uh, you know, we got to go get some pieces. But Dakota Jordan, back. And I begin to think about, you know, the fact what a roller coaster it's been for you guys. And it has been for us, too. It's like, you know, if you want to, you can just log off social media and be done with it. And we kind of got to deal with it, right? And I think about what Chris Simonis, I mean, you know, like Chris Simonis goes and gets a signed contract from Justin Parker first thing Monday morning. And you and I both know that his heart likely soared to meteoric heights. We did it. We did go get an elite pitching coach. We promised an elite pitching coach. We delivered. We got a guy within our conference that has knowledge of SEC hitters, knows how to attack them. And then shortly thereafter, uh, Dakota Jordan's going into the portal, beginning the process to go in the portal. I mean, can you imagine the emotional roller coaster for Chris Amonis? Well, then you got to go into damage control mode, right? You got to go, hey, Okay, here's our crisis. How do we navigate through this? Well, we get on the phone. We talk to mom. We get in the car. We start talking to other people. We get our kids involved. Hey, we can't lose this guy. We love this guy. We need this guy. And it's not just for Mississippi State. You know, this is what's best for Dakota. And that's what he ultimately decides. But as bad as it's been for us, I mean, sometimes we forget this. And I had a conversation this morning with a dear friend, and we talked about this. It's like we see you guys as administrators and coaches. And sometimes we forget your people. We just think, hey, you know, these guys should always make the right decisions. And if they don't do what I want them to do, it's a wrong decision. Then they're they're idiots. They make the right decisions because they agree with me, then they're geniuses. But when they don't agree with me, they're idiots. None of us get it all right. But what a big week for Mississippi State baseball. And it's been a roller coaster. And, again, we're going to have to continue to work to keep these negative influences from talking Dakota Jordan to go back in the portal. That's always a possibility. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, okay, you can breathe easy, it's over. I don't believe I believe it I believe that things are going to work out. I do. I believe this is where he wants to be and I think the fact that he kind of went against what he was advised to do says a lot about him and his character. But I believe Dakota Jordan's going to be here. That's not to say that we're going to sleep from now to July 13th. Until we get to July 13th, which is the day the portal closes, it's going to be a battle. It is. Don't think these people are just going to go away. They're not. They're not. But I think one of the things that helps is now you've got this public declaration that I'm out of the portal. And, uh, you know, my hope now is now we can get that NIL graphic together and kind of let people know. And, of course, there are people out there saying, hey, we're going to continue to monitor the situation. Yes, they should. I mean, you got to think there are people out there that will be thinking, okay, he's not in the portal now. We can't talk to him, but we can talk to people around him. And maybe we can make an offer. Those are the things that always irritate me. It's like one thing, like it's one thing, like if, you know, if a kid really wants to leave and he's like he's leaning on his high school coach or his travel team coach, and, you know, coach, i got to find another playing opportunity. I'm going to go in the portal. I kind of get it. You know, I, I do. 
And when I was a high school coach, I was an advocate for my players too. Obviously, we didn't have a portal, you know. But uh, I'm out talking to college coaches and travel team coaches and trying to get my guys spots. That's part of the gig. Nobody pays you for that either. You're just doing it for the love of the kid. There are other people out there that, that do it for their own personal gain. It's like, well, hey, I can get, I can get this, this guy's a commodity. I can get this out of it and that out of it. It's another thing, though, when the school initiates a contact. All of a sudden, the school contacts, hey, listen, if so-and-so goes in the portal, we got X thousand hours for him. That kind of stuff should be punished. Should be. Absolutely should be. You may disagree. People are like, oh, Steve, it's a free market system. No, it's not. You can say that, but it's not. It sounds cool to say that, but it's not. These are still amateur athletes. And we've opened up Pandora's box. We have to have some semblance of control. We've got to put some guardrails up to ensure there's a level playing field. And it's like I go back and think about this Tennessee thing. They were eliminated last night. But I go back and think about that whole thing, too. It's like, you know, yeah, they have the self-imposed uh, suspension of Tony Vitello. You know, is the baseball stuff going to be wrapped up in the uh, Committee on Infraction Support for football? I'd love to know because Tony clearly did something improper. He said, but Steve, how do you know? They suspended him. He was suspended. Ahuna declared ineligible for weeks. So if things were on the up and up, why would those two things happen? So something clearly happened, and the head coach was suspended. So where are the sanctions here? Is that enough? So it's like, oh, I'm just going to slap you on the hand and then let you go to Omaha? Something's got to be done, man. It does. And I'll be honest with you. You know, I've got multiple children, as you guys know. They're all grown now, with one exception. He'll be attending Mississippi State this year. But I found out managing children and raising children, maybe that's a better way to say it. I never managed them. I just raised them. Sometimes you only had to spank one of them to get everybody else to behave. Same thing when I was managing people in retail. Sometimes you just got to make an example out of one, one person, and everybody else is like, hey, he's serious about this. And that's what the NCAA's got to do. And this is a perfect example. And so we could talk all day about that. I think the biggest, the reason that nobody fears the NCAA is because the NCAA hadn't really hammered anybody in a while. They haven't made people realize, you know what, this isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. And I don't mean vacating games, which means nothing, other than it just makes it more difficult for people like me when I have to go back and research records and things of that nature, and they've changed the records from what was on the field <laughs> to uh, vacating games. So, oh, they, they were 0-5. Well, no, we, we won the games, okay? But if the NCAA is serious about stopping this NIL tampering immediate transfer world, they'll do something about it. When you get tired of it, you'll do something about it. And as long as the university presidents kind of hold their feet to the fire, eventually we'll get there. But again, this is all based on inaction from NCAA leadership, and now we've got to work to fix it. And there were so many people like, hey, it's a great thing, it's a great thing. And you remember, when we first started talking about this, what's two years ago now, three years ago now, we started talking about the NIL coupled with the transfer portal and the immediate eligibility piece and how it was going to be a problem. There's going to be tampering involved. And you remember when we rolled it out? I said, you know, remember we had basketball players. We had Ben Howland had some basketball players that we were going to let transfer, and they didn't play much. And so we were thinking, well, that's the right thing to do. Let them transfer. We'll sign off on a waiver. They're immediately, immediately eligible. These guys came here. It didn't work out. We'll let them transfer to UAB or wherever. 
and they can play. That's the right thing to do. And that's the vehicle they use to kind of sell us all on this immediate eligibility deal. And you're like, well, hey, you know, these guys, um, they didn't get to play much last year, so they have to sit out a full year again. Oh, that's not fair. Yeah, yeah, let them play. Well, the next thing you know, now we've got starters from Power 5 schools basically cashing a lottery ticket and basically acting like free agents. And, and what's so crazy now, now what we're seeing it's recruits, some within our own state, they're out here trying to get as much as they can NIL out of high school, and they're kind of setting themselves up, hey, if I go in there and kill it for a couple of years, I'll just go in a transfer portal and we'll do all this again. And don't think there's not some dark money flowing too. There is, which is kind of stupid because you've got, you know, you've got a way now that you can do all this stuff. Because like we always talked about it in the beginning, oh, it's got to be fair market value. Guys, come on. <laughs> There's nobody assessing fair market value anymore. It all sounded good. In theory, it's not being implemented or executed. NCAA is completely off the rails for this NIL transfer portal stuff, and it's their own fault. But we're all picking up a tab on it. You go back and think about if that legislation was handled properly three years ago or whenever it was, we wouldn't have had this situation. We wouldn't. Inaction has consequences. It does. And there's so many people out there that have become so student-athlete conscious. They think, hey, we don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, sometimes you got to put things in, in place to teach people a life lesson. It's important to understand that. You know, it's like some of these guys go in the portal and, you know, the people around them are like, hey, you went to Mississippi State, you had a good year. I mean, you know, now you can get Alabama. And then, and then you end up in Mississippi Valley. And people are like, oh, it's not fair. Mississippi State should take them back. No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. We should think more of ourselves than that. Well, Stevie went in the portal. Yeah, he went in the portal. He thought he could do better. He found out he couldn't. But chances are we can do better. We can go get somebody that's loyal to the program, loyal to our staff, loyal to our fan base. I'm, I'm not talking about a guy that needs an opportunity to go play. But, you know, like I look at the Ryra Thomas thing, you know, Worked out well for him going to Georgia, I guess, but he's the exception rather than the rule. You know, and maybe Ra Ra was the guy too that thought, hey, you know what, I've killed it here. We'll see what happens. You know, and Ra Ra's had some trouble over there. I hope that's behind him. You know, the details that made the paper were not especially flattering. You know, he's a young guy and needs to grow up a little bit. But, uh, you know, he's the, he is the exception rather than a rule. Go look and see how many guys that are transferred from Mississippi State, what they did elsewhere where they ended up. You know, there's a reason they left the program in the first place, and it wasn't to better themselves. It was to go find a playing opportunity. And like I laughed yesterday, I saw the whole uh, – and listen, I love Kelvin Bolton, I do, but he tweets out the whole thing about Malik Heath, basically trying to suggest that uh, oh, wide receivers transferred to Ole Miss. And, you know, I, I love Malik too. I do, but I don't know if that's the best example. If you're going to troll us, I mean, goodness gracious, at least get a guy that's won an Egg Bowl, right? At least get a guy that got drafted. I mean, you got a guy that transferred over there, lost the egg bowl, and signed an undrafted free agent contract. You know, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just better at this internet Twitter trolling thing than other people. Maybe that's just me. All right, time for today's top ten list. Brought to you as always by CloseWithBlair.com. C L O S E with Blair, B L A I R. dot com, and uh, Blair, of course, is. Um, 
your mortgage professional. He is your friend in the mortgage industry. Be sure and check him out. Go to the website. You'll be glad you did. The summertime is the right time to make a move. Kids aren't in school. Get out. Weather's usually good, unless you go in late afternoon. And uh, work with a real estate agent and uh, find the opportunity to maybe improve your status in life. Maybe you want to downsize. Maybe you want to upside. Maybe you got a baby on the way. Maybe you're going to be an empty nester like me and Dana. I think we're going to stay in this big house. Ugh. But all that said, no matter what you plan to do, Blair can get it done for you. Top 1% close ratio in the country back-to-back-to-back years. Yeah, kind of like the Alabama, dare I say it, of mortgage lending is one Blair Chandler. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. And let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard. It's a guy that gets things done. Works at Fairway Mortgage, one of the most reputable lending institutions in America. Not some uh, subprime lender that's going to put you in a bad spot. They're not looking to tack on a bunch of points and take your hard-earned money. Trying to help you get into a home and uh, help you build a life for your family. Again, that's closeblair.com. All right, speaking of family, I have, uh, you know, I'm writing a new book, and, uh, you know, we did the uh, soundtrack of what I thought the uh, motion picture soundtrack would be like if we one day made a movie out of uh, When the Bottom Falls. So I have spent, chapter two is a lot about my family. So my dad, Freddie Robertson, uh, grew up in Ellisville, Mississippi on Augusta Road, just outside of town on a big dairy farm, milked a lot of cows. Him and uh, his brother Charlie and Paul slept three to a bed. We didn't have a whole lot as a family back then. My dad uh, went to Jones County Junior College and then eventually to Mississippi State. Got a degree in agricultural economics. Had held one job as an adult his entire life. That's it. He left Mississippi State, went to work for Farmer's Home Administration. That's a uh, part of the United States Department of Agriculture. He grew up in a farming family. He wanted to make things better for farming families in the state of Mississippi. It's a job that he took very seriously. I wrote about this on Facebook earlier, and um, as I was doing the top ten list. But, guys, let me tell you this. We do not thank the American farmer nearly enough. We don't. And we are an ag school. We were founded on farming principles. The whole reason we had the Morrill Land Grant Act basically was to, uh, to help farmers' children learn to farm more efficiently. That's what we did. That's why it's a land grant, right? We wanted to teach farmers how to farm the land, how to make more bountiful crops, and make more money for themselves. We are a university founded on agriculture. When people make these little comments, well, culture versus agriculture, fine with me. Fine with me. You can have your knockoff handbags, right? I'm more than happy to get behind the soybean farmer than I am the uh, knockoff bag importer. So today's list is for the American farmer, specifically the Mississippi farmer, because that's where my family is rooted in, in Jones County, Mississippi. And uh, my dad, again, he fought tooth and nail for Mississippi farmers, did all he could to help, help them keep their farms, finance equipment, things of that nature. It was a huge part of his life, well-known throughout the state of Mississippi. I'm very proud to be Freddie Robertson's son. 
He wanted me to have better in life. He didn't want me working on a dairy farm. Not that it's not an honest living, but he wanted me to grow up better than he did. And I did because of his commitment to education and commitment to hard work. So, Dad, this is for you and for the people you cared most about besides your family, and that's the Mississippi farmer. And to all of you Mississippi farmers that are out there, tip of the cap to you. We love you, and we thank you for your contributions to our great state. We thank for all, all the things that you do for us, a job that we would never want, doing a job for us that we wouldn't do for ourselves unless we absolutely had to. And you chose that as a vocation. It is a very honorable job. And there are so many people that don't fully appreciate the ebbs and flows of being a farmer. And I can tell you, we don't thank you enough. So thank you on behalf of all of us, a very time ungrateful nation at times. Thank you for clothing us and feeding us and always making sure we got food to buy in the grocery store. Here's to you. All right, number 10. This, this is going to be a little more rocking in some of the lists. we got some country on the list today, but number 10, it's a Shooter Jennings' Daddy's Farm. Number 10, Shooter Jennings' Daddy's Farm. Number 9, Rodney Atkins, a man on a tractor. He talks about a man on a tractor and having a dog and being out in the field. What a great life that would be. And that sounds real romantic, but I can assure you from uh, the farmers that I know, it's, it's not as uh, sexy as you might think. A lot of hard work goes into that. It takes a special person to be a farmer. And it takes a special woman to marry a farmer, too. It really does. Farming families uh, are very unique and an integral part of our society. Number eight, Lone Star, John, John Doe on a John Deere. That's about a dating song, but I like the title, so I thought I would work it in there. There are so many people that are just kind of nameless and faceless people that just kind of keep this great country moving. They never get enough credit. And they are really John Doe's on John Deere's. Great title. Number seven, Neil McCoy, last of a dying breed. And uh, what's interesting about this one, too, is you know, it talks about how you know, the farmer is a jack of all trades, right? He's a post hole digger. You know, he's a long haul driver. You know, not only is he a farmer, he's a woodcutter. I mean, the guys in these farming families, they have to learn to do it all. They're very self-sufficient. These are real men. They are in a generation that uh, kind of lacks real men. Uh, number six, James West, we thank a farmer. Something we should all do. Every, every, I mean, we just take it for granted. We're just going to walk in the grocery store and the food's just going to magically appear. You think that corn, man, you think that corn grew itself? You ever cut okra? Oh my gosh, I remember being a kid having to go pick beans and cut okra. If they gave me the option, I'd pick beans all day, then cut okra for an hour. It's terrible. It's hot work. It's brutal. Got to wear gloves all the time. It's terrible. So, yeah, thank a farmer. Number five, I'm not sure if this is a cover or not, because a lot of people have recorded this song, but I wanted to throw this in here for Mississippi's own Marty Stewart with that fabulous hair. It's the Farmer's Blues. You know, who's going to buy my corn? You know, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? I mean, that, there's, a, there's a lot to that. There really is. And I remember being a kid, we had a farm, and uh, we – had a garden, that kind of stuff, and we, we, were, going, we were going to uh, sign a contract with, like, the Campbell Soup Company and, like, Farm Peppers, and we were thinking about how much money we'd make per acre, and we didn't have enough money to make it worth our while, but I began thinking, even back then, I had a difficult decision that was, that was to make, what would it be like if you, know, if you had a 100-acre farm, 
you got to get out there and work all that. I mean, you know, then you got to find a way to get the product sold. And, and with the weather we've had here as of late, a lot of our farmers are hurting right now. They're going to lose part of their crop. Number four, Colt Ford's Farm Life, some outlaw country here. I think he does wear bedazzled jeans every once in a while, so you'll label them as you want. But Farm Life, it's, and it's not for everybody. It's not. It's a calling, man. It really is. I mean, there are people that, again, I have so much respect for farmers just because of the fact that, you know, it is such a difficult life. And you got to love it to live it. Number three, Luke Bryan, Here's to the Farmer. Man, what a great, great, great song. Great song. And again, it goes back to the whole purpose of us doing this list, man. We don't say thank you enough. Number two, a classic here, and it's not, listen, the production value in this recording is not great. The sentiment behind it is absolutely fantastic. It's Charlie Daniels, American Farmer. The devil did go down to Georgia. He did. But when he came to Mississippi, he found out we didn't play the field or we farmed the land. Turned around and went away. Charlie Daniels, American Farmer. Love the track. But number one for me, it's a song, man, I get chills. Even time, I'm getting ready to tell you about this, I get chills, man. This song always reminds me of my dad. Always. And sometimes when I'm missing him the most, I put this song on. And times I'll cry. I'm not going to lie. I miss my dad. I do. Father's Day just wrapped up. It's kind of got me thinking about this. But it's Rain on a Scarecrow by John Cougar Mellencamp. And uh, I, there's a line that always gets to me. I, I never knew my grandfather. My grandfather died before I was born. He died around the time my brother was born. Uh, his name was Otis Robertson. And uh, he had 13 children. My dad was one of those 13, obviously. And in the beginning, he married a woman by the name of Gracie Intrican. They had two kids, Otis Jr., who we called Snooky, and then my Uncle Jack, who was a man's man. His name was Jackson. But Uncle Jack was a man's man, wore a black leather vest all the time, always had his boots on. The kind of guy you didn't mess with, man. The kind of guy from South Mississippi you knew not to cross. And even though I was his nephew, I always had a little respect for Uncle Jack. I'm thinking, you know what, I don't want Uncle Jack mad at me. And he always was nice and kind to me. But he was the kind of guy, when he walked into a room, people took notice. They knew not to mess with my Uncle Jack. They knew. And then from on from there, he, my, my, I guess she would technically be my great aunt. Gracie Intrigan died from appendicitis. And in time... Otis married my grandmother, Gracie's sister, Mildred Intrican. It was you know, a couple years later because uh, my grandfather went into the, the forestry industry. And when he was gone, Gracie's parents and my grandmother, Mildred, would take care of Snooky and Jack. And then she learned to love them. And next thing, they became a family. And then Mildred and Otis had 11 children, including my dad. And so... There's so many great stories I can tell you, and I wrote some of these in the book, but um, my grandfather, Otis Robertson, they had the one-room schoolhouse out there. It's the Old Grove Schoolhouse out in Jones County, and, and my grandfather was like, you know, the county kids need to know, need to be able to get educated and go to city schools, and they were like, well, you know, we can't do that. My grandfather was a, was a high school dropout, and yet he served on a school board at Jones County, and he convinced them to close the one-room schoolhouse, and they told him, I said, hey, the county kids can come to school, but they got to find their own way to get here. My grandfather went out and bought a bus. Went and bought a bus. And my grandmother was part of the first graduating class ever at Jones County Junior College. Now it's just Jones College. And so education was important. 
He went out and bought a bus, man. I mean, honestly. So I, I can see where my dad got it from. And he passed that stuff down to me. And so the line in that song that gets to me is, I think about my grandpa, my neighbors and my name. Sometimes I feel like dying like a scarecrow in the rain. And I think about how hard a life that had to be and how much my dad wanted me to have better. But my grandfather made the most of it. And I had people that have told me, that, you know, years ago as I was growing up, you know, my grandfather was just, you know, the best fox hunter Jones County, Mississippi's ever seen. And that he was the kind of guy, too, if the neighbors ever had issues getting crops in, he would go down there with his boys and they would help that family get it done. It's incredible. And so it's in my blood and uh, I don't farm at all, but I am glad to be from a farming family. And it's interesting, you know, like my, my daughter Audrey said, hey, Daddy, am I the first engineer in our family? And I was like, sweetie, you are two generations removed from poverty. And I think about how proud my dad would be, you know, of, of my children, you know, what they've done with their lives, because he changed our family tree in many respects forever. You know, we don't farm, but you know what? The lessons that he learned on the farm, he passed down to us. And it's enabled us to kind of raise our, our children uh, to want more out of life. And uh, I could not be prouder than to be from a Mississippi farming family. So again, to all of you doing that job, we love you and we thank you for all you do for us to make our lives easier. Thank you to the Mississippi farmer. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out, let us know. Best way to do that is on social media. I'm on all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R. Roy, of course, at Dogmatic67. Uh, he also has our great list on Spotify under that same handle, Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And you can follow along and have these uh, populate to your Spotify. How cool is that? We appreciate uh, your support of the top ten list. And, uh, again, today was very special to me. It really is. Country music's not really my thing. You know this. But I wanted to do something today uh, for all of you that are in the farming community that are a big part of our Mississippi State family. And sometimes we... You know, we just don't even say it. So, again, thank you. All right, next segment of the show is always brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Billion institution. Be sure and check them out next time you're in town, neatly positioned on the backside of campus. The best way to get there, come in on 182, take that left at the state trooper section. Don't speed through there, right? Don't speed through there. They'll be on your left. You can go in there and pick up all your Mississippi State merch and then uh, head over to one of Mississippi State's historic athletic venues and wear your new wares. How cool is that? If you can't make it to town, perhaps you live in a foreign land, I don't know, Alabama or something, and uh, you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Again, campusbookmart.net. All right, let's take a look at uh, the recruiting day that was. We can really appreciate that now. Now that Dakota's back, that was the thing yesterday. As great as it was, you know, we're like, man, I want to enjoy this, but, man, this sucks. Losing Dakota Jordan. Well, now you got him back. So now we can fully appreciate the recruiting class that is uh, currently ranked 20th. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But uh, let's talk about our new players. Of course, nobody signed yet, right? It's part of the deal. But three in-state four-star commitments on one day. How great is that? P.J. Woodland got the day going for us. He is uh, 
ranked an 88 by three uh, by 247 Sports. He is a composite four-star. Uh, ranked as the 14th player in the state of Mississippi. Had several, several offers. Let's run through this really quick here. Obviously, an offer from Mississippi State, Arkansas, Arkansas State, Auburn, Florida State, Georgia State, Louisville, LSU. That was the final two, State and LSU. Memphis, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, Tennessee, Texas, Texas A&M, Tulane, UNLV, Vanderbilt, and others. So a great get for Mississippi State and uh, a six-foot, 165-pound corner, a little bit different than what we've had in recent years. He's not cutting the same vein as Emmanuel Forbes or Martin Emerson. Uh, he does have a really great catch radius, so he plays a little bit bigger than he, than he measures. Uh, a guy that we've been expecting to commit to Mississippi State for some time. He was a guy way back in the spring that I was hearing was already uh, asking about what classes he needed to take in order to get the degree he desired at Mississippi State. Had a chance to talk to him after big dog camp. It was all about Mississippi State. State, state, state. We just kind of wondered even back then, is, is it just a matter of time? And it was very good addition to the class. All right. J.J. Harrell. Now, I made some waves. I did. Told everybody a long time ago that he was going to go to Mississippi State. He was committed to Tennessee at the time. I had great information on this. Told everybody he's going to flip to Mississippi State. He ultimately decommits from Tennessee, waits a little while, and then commits to the Bulldogs. Let's take a look at this offer sheet, okay? Obviously, Mississippi State. Uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Central Arkansas, Colorado, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Indiana, Jackson State, Liberty, Louisiana Tech, Louisville, LSU, Memphis, Miami, Ole Miss, Oregon, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Southern Mississippi, Temple, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, Tulane, Tulsa, and others. Over 30 offers for J.J. Harrell. He committed to uh, Tennessee pretty early in the process really to make sure he had something. He was coming off an injury. I don't blame him for jumping on that, uh, but a lot of discussion kind of popped up and said, hey, he's likely going to stay in-state, and he favored state over Ole Miss. There were a lot of Ole Miss uh, Dr. Evil Quotes experts that said, hey, he's going to Ole Miss, and that's just kind of lazy reporting just because he went to North Panola. He's from Sardis, Mississippi. People just thought through geography he would pick Ole Miss. A lot of Mississippi State influence in his life. He has made a great connection with Chad Bumpus. It's going to be difficult to wrestle him away. Uh, so that got the ball rolling, our second commitment of the day. And, again, that's a six-foot, 187-pound wide receiver uh, with a great catch radius, knows how to elevate, takes ownership of the football. That's a guy also going to be a physical player for you. And then there's Stonka Burnside. We've talked about him for a while. I'll talk in the, in the beginning, in the infancy of his uh, recruitment, that he was going to be a guy that would probably go out of state. Well, that's kind of always the case in the beginning. But by and large, Starville High School, especially under Coach Chris Jones, has routinely produced Division I prospects, a lot of guys with SEC talent. A four-star by 247 Sports, a composite four-star, nearly a 93. Excellent, excellent, excellent pickup from Mississippi State. Another guy, too, with a very lengthy offer sheet. We'll run that one down, too. Mississippi State, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Akron, Auburn, Austin P, Florida State, Indiana, Jackson State, Jacksonville State, Louisville, Memphis, 
Ole Miss, Oregon, Purdue, South Carolina, Southern Miss, Troy, Tulane, UAB, West Virginia, and others. Another guy with over 20 offers. So these are not guys that State's getting by default. These are guys that are big-time players. There's no doubt about it. These are guys that will come in here and be difference makers for us and guys that we looked at long and hard. So 13 commitments in the class, kind of breaking it down for you. Seven of the 13 are from the great state of Mississippi, and it is a great year in state. We go into Alabama and get three, a couple out of Tennessee, and one from Louisiana. So Zach Arnett talked about that, about we're going to truly commit to the great state of Mississippi, and we're going to work our border states exceptionally hard. And so now here we are. It's not just a hashtag. We really are committed to Mississippi prospects. So 13 commitments. How many more will we take? Well, I suspect we're just over halfway there. I think it'll be close to 25, maybe a little bit shy of 25, depending on how the transfers work. But one of the things that's interesting, too, and I had this discussion with somebody earlier. I think this is an important note. We talked about how we thought the transfer portal may be a really negative thing for Mississippi State. And some of you, it's the bane of your existence, right? But you forget, too, you know, we also got guys like Makai Polk and Jackie Matthews in the portal that came in here and were really good players for us, really good college players. So what if Alabama and Auburn hold back, I don't know, five, ten spots a year for transfer portal prospects? Well, that's five to ten less high school prospects are going to take. So that's less competition for us. You know, last year there was a lot of discussion that Ole Miss was going to spend 50% of their scholarship allocation on transfer portal prospects. Well, we've got to work the portal a little bit too. But if they're all going to go heavy in the portal, you know, somebody's got to go sign these high school guys. So I think there is a niche for us there. You get them on campus, and that's the thing too. Like once you have them, it's easier to keep them. Because once they go in the transfer portal, there's a lot of competition for those guys. But if they're going to, you know, kind of skew and kind of calibrate down and say, we're going to chase more portal prospects to Mississippi State, then that opens up better options for us on the high school recruiting trail. And I think that's an interesting point. And, again, we've always got to go out and get a handful of guys. But, I mean, honestly, we're not going to be able to go compete with Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and teams like that uh, for skill players, we're not. We're going to have to sign them and develop them and then do our best to keep them. And that's the thing, too. Once they're here taking classes, they've made friends, they've got relationships, maybe they pick up a girlfriend, then all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, they're here. And by and large, if you look at it, you know, who is really left outside of rah-rah that you wanted to keep? Very few. Very, very, very few. So our player retention through the portal has been outstanding. Of course, you know, we had a Tulu Griffin situation where he goes in the portal and comes out. Xavier Thomas goes in and comes out. And we could talk about that all day too. But my point being is that the portal, while it has been something that we've always had to deal with, by and large, we haven't lost a lot of players. They were difference makers. You know, Jerry and Jones, we lose him. I I think sometimes, you know, Jerry probably could have benefited by staying here at Mississippi State. You know, Fabian Lovett, of course, uh, had some people in his ear. He leaves. He's had a good career at Florida State. You'd like to have had him, right? But by and large, when you look at the guys that have left, you know, they haven't really been difference makers. And I don't know that Jerry would have been a difference maker, but he could have been a solid piece for us. But we really haven't been hurt by the portal like a lot of people think. 
We also haven't hit the portal exceptionally hard. Of course, the jury's still out. You know, Justin Robinson's a guy that, uh, you know, we think a lot of. We think he'll take a big jump this year. But, you know, we haven't made a lot of hay by taking the cast off from Alabama and Georgia. Now, Marcus Banks obviously could be a big-time player for us. Uh, he was at every camp. It's crazy. He's out there at every camp talking to guys, encouraging guys. And so we moved him to safety. He'll play nickel some this year. That's a guy that can really run and cover. So we'll see what he does this year. Uh, so we'll, still, we'll wait and see. But we're not going to make a living in the portal. We're just not. And we're not going to get out there and waste a bunch of NIL money in the portal you know, for guys that are maybe one-year heroes. I think that the better plan is to get high school guys on your campus and use your NIL money to retain them, which is really what Mississippi State is doing. You're using the NIL deal to keep your players here, to prevent them from going in the portal, rather than spending a ton of money on a guy you don't really know and then kind of hoping for the best. And there's a reason these guys are in the portal. That's important to understand, too. It's not always the right reason. You know, sometimes guys go in the portal because they're being cast off into the program. And, and my attitude's always been, if they can't play at Alabama, what makes you think they can play here? If Alabama didn't want to keep them, is the talent differential between us and them that great? I don't think it is. Not that we want to go just take their leftovers. Is Alabama more talented than Mississippi State? You better believe it. But if a guy can't compete and make a two-deep spot at Alabama, how are we ever going to catch them those are the guys we take. So you work through this process and you, you really ramp up your high school recruiting. And then I think your best bet is to keep them here. You bring them in, you develop them, you get them ingrained in your culture, you make them feel like part of a family, and they're more likely to stay. I just do not think that you're going to be able to build a roster that is sustainable by committing 40 to 50% of your scholarship allocation to transfers. You don't, you don't really develop any cohesion or chemistry. You just don't. I mean, we've got enough evidence now, I think, to look at it and say, you know what, yes, it matters. But like, look at Michigan State. Remember that great year they had a couple years ago and everybody's like, hey, here's the power of the portal. Look at Michigan State, what they've done here. You know, they have worked the portal. They're, they're, magister, ma- excuse me, they're magicians in the portal. They have mastered the portal, right? I think that's something to understand, too. Let's take a quick look, right, back at Michigan State because, again, they were hailed two years ago of being people that have figured this thing out. Let's look at what they've done. Because I don't think it's been uh, – maybe you hadn't paid attention because nobody's talked about it as much. And let's go back to 21 and look at that Michigan State team that went 11-2. and two. Everybody's like, man, look at this. Look at Michigan State. They figured it out. And they win the Peach Bowl. And everybody's like, they're rolling. They're, I mean, their only losses that year were at Ohio State, 56-7, and then Purdue upset them, uh, cost them a, a really big opportunity uh, to play for the uh, Big Ten Championship. But uh, nevertheless, 11-2, and two, you think, okay, I can live 11-2, and two, Steve. You know, I may not get to Atlanta, but, hey, let's go all in with the portal. You know what they did last year? Do you remember? You want to take a grab at this? Five and seven, guys. They went five and seven, didn't make a bowl game. Because what's happening is you're so reliant on your evaluation of these portal guys that it is proven to be incre- increasingly difficult to do. You got to hit on so many of those guys to maintain that level of success. So you may have one year where it all comes together, but eventually the chickens come home to roost. If 
5 and 7. So we go 11 and 2 to 5 and 7. Is that the dips you want? I, I don't think so. I think there's a better way to build. And so we'll see what happens this year with Michigan State. It's an important part of this thing, too. You know, again, we're still gathering data here. But I don't think this is the team you look at and say, hey, I see 11 wins on the schedule. I just don't think you do. You know, and, and Michigan State's going to end the year at Ohio State, at Indiana, and then home against Penn State. Rough stretch. And then you throw in Michigan there in the second half of that schedule. Could be a rough stretch again. You know, I brag was, again, Hale and Mel Tucker is a guy that had it all figured out. Now here we are. And, again, that's somebody outside of our conference, you know, so I think you can look at it and say, you know, we can speak objectively about that. You know, there's a lot of, you know, bias, of course, when you're talking about somebody within your own conference. And I go back to last year. You know, the whole Ole Miss thing, you know, that's the thing that I think some people forget. You know, everybody's like, Ole Miss is leaving us behind. That was the, the narrative around this state. Like, Ole Miss has figured out the portal thing. We're not doing enough portal recruiting. And Ole Miss's schedule was front-loaded. They were. And listen, they had a great team in 2021. Matt Corral was outstanding. He absolutely was. And then all of a sudden, you look at this thing and, hey, hey, man, guys, Ole Miss opens up beating Troy, beating Central Arkansas. They won at Georgia Tech. They're 3-0. They beat Tulsa. Clyde ball game, but they won. They slipped by Kentucky thanks to a Will Levis uh, turnover late. They destroy Vanderbilt. Then they beat Auburn in a game. And, again, give Lane Kiffin a lot of credit. That onside kick was outstanding because they couldn't stop Auburn. You look up there 7-0 and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, Ole Miss is going to make the playoff. And I remember saying then, no, they're not. And they go to LSU and get smacked in the face. They bounce back and they beat Texas A&M with a freshman quarterback under center. If Texas A&M had any quarterback talent, it had been a much different deal. Then they lose to Alabama. They lose at Arkansas, get destroyed at Arkansas. And then Mississippi State plays arguably one of their worst games of the year offensively. And it had some of it had to do with Ole Miss's defense. A lot of it had to do with the fact that we just didn't play well. And we still win the game. So they end up losing four of the last five. And again, 7-0. and I told everybody, I said, what's going to happen when we end up with the same record when the golden egg? And everybody's like, oh, it's not going to happen. Exactly what happened. We ended up ranked in the top 20 with a nice bowl trophy, too, and a great trip to uh, – to Tampa in the ReliQuest Bowl. So, great start for us. And, again, I just don't think it's sustainable. And I think what you're seeing Ole Miss doing the recruiting trail this year is more high school-centric. I think they figured out, hey, we're going to have to get some developmental guys in here and uh, and build a, a young nucleus, and we'll just kind of supplement out of the portal. That's the better way to do it. I think you're seeing that. And Mississippi State, of course, has got to capitalize uh, on what's available to them. But uh, that's where we are today. Again, stay 20th in the 247 team rankings. All right, final segment of the show is always brought to you by Portico, a great place to live. If you're thinking of moving to the Golden Triangle, and you should, we love living up here. It's great. We've got great restaurants. We've got great entertainment. We've got great sports. We've got great neighbors. You should come be one of them. Portico, very easy to get to. You turn off 82 on a 12. Take the very first ride at the, at the – uh, on the 12, and it's, uh, it'll get you to the four-way stop there, the corner of Old West Point Road, and next thing you know, Portico's right there on your right-hand side. Be sure and go check it out next time you're in town. Better, best bet, reach out to Brooks Bryan at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075.
Here's the deal, too. If that name sounds familiar, it should. Because Brooks Bryan was on two teams that went to Omaha, 97-98. He robbed a home run against Washington that sent us to Omaha. This is a guy that knows Mississippi State sports. He knows Starkville. Part of a great group of developers bringing a wonderful option for you here in the Golden Triangle. Start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home. Go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really anything in between. Pretty remarkable options you have there. Uh, make Portico your next move. All right, we had some talk about this. People are like, hey, so where, where does it look like, you know, in-state now? And so let me give you a quick primer here. We'll spend a little time with this, and we'll move on, because uh, I know that you guys are um, you're ready for the next commitment, right? You're ready for the next commitment. I, I, I feel the same way. I, I'm one of those kind of people, too. I, I begin to think to myself, man, it's like I get excited, like all you guys do. I think to myself, hey, the only thing better than three commitments is four. So who's next? Well, let me give you a quick primer on this, and we'll talk a little bit about that. You know, State, obviously, with three players in the top 15 yesterday uh, picking Mississippi State. All right, so, and I'm going to disagree with some things, and, and maybe you don't like it, and that's okay. That's okay. All right, let's, uh, let's start. I guess we'll, let's just start at 15. We'll start at 15. Uh, one, I think one of the most underrated player in this class is actually a Mississippi State commitment. It's Terrence Hibbler. It's a joke. He's ranked 19th. That's, it's a joke. It is. I don't, I don't like that at all. I don't like it at all. San Francisco McGee, 21, don't like it at all. But you know what? We'll take that guy, and he'll make somebody look silly. Absolutely silly. But let's get into the top 15 here. P.J. Woodland, 15, committed to Mississippi State. Tyler Carter out of Vicksburg. I love his game. And this is a guy, too, that hadn't played a lot of high school football. But he's 6'6", 250 pounds, also plays baseball, has some baseball offers. We could do the Brad Compass thing, Tyler, right? Xavier Gayton, a Mississippi State commitment, ranks 13th. I love his game, too. We're taking him as an athlete. He's listed as a running back. I think he's ultimately going to be a safety. I think he's one of those guys, too. He's got elite foot speed, 6 foot, 190 pounds. Number 12 in the state, Tristan Jernigan. State is still on him. He's currently committed to Texas A&M. Didn't come to our camp two weeks ago. He was at A&M. A&M's still doing a good job with him. It's easy to be committed to Texas A&M. It's, what, eight hours away from Tupelo, maybe nine, in June. What's going to happen when we get into November and you start thinking, man, it's a long way out there? It is. Not saying he's not going to stick, but I can tell you Mississippi State is not giving up on him. Uh, Number 11 is Caleb Moore, and uh, came to camp not as big as listed. Listed at 6'3", 250. I think he's closer to 6'1", of course, with the hair and the spikes. Maybe he is at 6'3". Uh, I think if I had to call it today, I think he's more of a G5 guy. And, again, I think 11 is probably a little bit high for him. Explosive player, just doesn't have SEC measurables. Number 10, and I think he's underrated, to be quite honest with you, and he's committed to Florida. It's running back Conan Daniels from West Point. Uh, Mississippi State absolutely has not given up on him. He's been on campus twice in the last month. Uh, He will ultimately take a visit to Mississippi State, from what I understand. I know there's some people around him that are kind of advising him a little bit, too. And, again, it's easy to be committed to Florida in June. Easy. Easy, easy, easy. And uh, I think that he's the guy, ultimately, that uh, Mississippi State will make this thing awfully interesting late. Probably won't see anything change with him for a long time, but they are still all in on Conan Daniels. 
Number nine, and again, I think he's probably a little bit high. I don't have him in my personal top ten. It's Julius Pope from South Panola. He has played running back. He's played some at linebackers. Talk about him playing safety at Arkansas. Uh, I do think he is a really good player. I think he could play running back. I don't know if he is an SEC running back. I was told early on that they were going to take him as an athlete at Arkansas and let him kind of figure it out when they got him up there. But now they're kind of trending more to the defensive side of the football. I was told that's one of the reasons he was a little more intrigued with the Mississippi State offer is that State kind of had a need at running back and that he would get the opportunity to do that. So we'll see what happens with him. I do think he's a top 15 player. I don't think he's a top 10 player. Just behind him in the composite is Braylon Burnside, recent commitment to Mississippi State. Uh, I think he is probably even undervalued as a four-star at 90. Do I think he's a five-star? No, I don't. I think he is probably an upper, mid-level to upper four-star. And I don't know that he's had enough respect. A lot of people thought he may play safety. I think he is talented enough to play either safety or wide receiver in the Southeastern Conference. And that's a good get for Mississippi State. And a bit of a drawing card, too, because now all of a sudden you've got Braylon and J.J. and these guys who can work on other guys. Number seven, another guy committed to Arkansas is Nareel White. Now, that's an early commitment that is a little bit shaky. State and Ole Miss both are still on the real White exceptionally hard. I think when it's all said and done, unless State and Ole Miss just decide to move on, I think White picks either State or Ole Miss. Nareel White was recently on campus at Mississippi State with his family, spent some time with Chad Bumpus and our coaching staff, State is very much in the mix here. But, again, I can't sit here and tell you. With J.J. Harrell and Stonka Burnside, I had probably 95% certainty State would get them. I don't have that same level of confidence in a real wide. I think Ole Miss is a real factor here. And I think, uh, in the end, he'll stay in State. And Plus, I think Arkansas is going to have a much more difficult year than they're anticipating. I think Sam Pittman could be on the hot seat heading into 2024. J.J. Harrell is sixth in the composite. Of course, recently committed to Mississippi State. We've talked about him at length. Uh, really, really talented player. Got offers from just about everybody in the Southeastern Conference. Number five, a guy that hadn't shown State a lot of love. He's been here a little bit. He had State, you know, in his recent list of finalists. That's Daniel Hill from Meridian. I don't know where he plays, to be quite honest with you. I think he's probably a linebacker. Some other people have talked maybe he could be a running back. He's going to play some at quarterback this year. Uh, physical guy, doesn't throw it as well as K.J. Jefferson, but at Meridian, if they can protect him just a little bit, I think Daniel Hill could have a big year at Meridian. Not sure about the talent around him, but Daniel Hill is, without a doubt, an SEC athlete. I know that South Carolina has been high on him. Is he a top 10 athlete? Yes, he is, but I, don't, I would not have him in my top five just because of the fact that I'm not exactly sure where he fits position-wise, but is he a top 10 athlete in this state? Absolutely no doubt about it. Cameron Beavers is my favorite defensive lineman in this state. And maybe it's because I'm partial to the interior guys because it's so difficult to find defensive tackles. And that's one of the reasons you see those guys that are true three techs and true ones or zeros, noses. The reason those guys have lengthy offer sheets is they're just harder to come by. It's kind of, in many respects, it's kind of like a quarterback, right? I mean, you, everybody has to have these guys. There's just not a lot of them to go around. But Cameron Beavers is a dude that's a really good get for Ole Miss, too. Can they hang on to him? I know that State has not given up. They're still recruiting him exceptionally hard. 
I'm told to expect him to take a visit to Mississippi State and to Ole Miss later in this process. Of course, Ty Jones, Mississippi State signee, very good friends with Cameron Beavers. So he'll have the opportunity to come up here and spend some time. There are also some locals down there that are really pushing Ole Miss. So, that, again, this is a great get for Ole Miss. And a bit of a surprise, too, because we really thought he would you know, ultimately pick Mississippi State. So, you know, tip of the cap to the Rebels there. Uh, for getting that done and again you know that's the thing about recruiting you're dependent on the uh you know the word of a of a teenager sometimes uh, there is some ebb and flow with things but i don't think for any stretch that mississippi state has moved on from cameron beavers at all jeffrey rush i like jeffrey rush's game a lot he is not as big as listed we we currently have him number three in the state i don't think that's accurate and it's not just because of the fact he's committed to Ole miss you just heard me praise Cameron, praise Cameron Beavers and Ole Miss commitment. Uh, I think Jeffrey, I think Cameron is better than Jeffrey Rush. I think Jeffrey Rush is probably a top 15 player. I don't have him in a top 10. And here's one of the reasons why. Size is one of the things. He is a square body type. He is a guy that does have good burst. He is explosive. But it's not about always about mass. It's about, you know, math. Right? Can, can he play with good leverage in the Southeastern Conference? You know, Benito Jones is a guy, too, that wasn't as big as listed. But Benito was a guy that just, you know, simply wouldn't be denied. Jeff has some of that same tenacity in him, even though I don't think he's quite the same athlete that Benito Jones was. But I think that's probably a decent player comp. I just think Benito was a little more explosive and a little more consistent. Uh, but Jeff is a guy that I think he's an SEC guy, but I'll be honest with you, I don't like him – as much as many of the other defensive linemen in this day. We've got a bunch of them. But I think Jeff is a guy, too, that uh, will stick with Ole Miss. Um, and I think you will see his ranking dip a little bit as senior tape gets out there. That's not to say he's a bad player. I just don't think he's a top ten guy. Camryon Franklin. Uh, I like Camryon a lot. I do think he's overrated, though, as a five-star. I don't – when I think five-star, I think Chris Jones. Don't you? I think Jeffrey Simmons. Is Kamari and Franklin in the same vein as those guys? No, he's not. He's not. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, he is a guy that can be a relentless pass rusher. And some have said, you know what, I kind of see him as Jaden Crumity. I think he's actually going to thin up a little bit. I think he's going to remain on the edge. I don't think he'll play with his hand in the ground. I think in some situations he can. But I think that he is a guy that probably needs to stay outside. Uh, he is a guy that can be a good pass rusher. Got to get better against a run, and that's, a, that's, that's the case for a lot of high school guys. Uh, a, a lot of people are on him, Tennessee, Miami. I know there was some talk yesterday he may be committing to Ole Miss. I know he has some Ole Miss people around him that would love to see that happen. Uh, but I think Kamarion Franklin, again, very good player. I have him in my top five. Uh, I do. As a matter of fact, I like him better than Jamonte Waller, who is number one right now in the state and uh, committed to the University of Florida. Here is my issue with Jamonte Waller. And a lot of people think, oh, Steve, you're just, you know, you're, it's sour grape. It's not. This is a guy that we were told initially was like 6'5", 240 pounds, something like that. Uh, he was 6'1 and a half, so we'll, we'll give him 6'2", and uh, around 215, 220 pounds. Is he... An explosive player, he absolutely is. But he is a guy that has a linebacker build playing as an edge. 
can he do that in the SEC? Well, I think it kind of depends on the system. I don't like putting tweeners, and people think that is a, a negative term. It's not necessarily because, like, in our defense, you know, we can play a tweener because, uh, you know, we're so multiple in what we do. He is not the prototypical edge rusher. He does have some explosiveness. Will that translate to the SEC? Again, linebacker build, but not linebacker foot speed. So you got to stand him up and let him play the edge. You know, so uh, I think he's somewhat limited in that respect. And I know some people have him, you know, really elevated. I just don't agree. And that, you know, it's, I may be completely wrong about that. I just don't think – I don't see Chris Jones. I don't see Jeffrey Simmons and Jamonte Waller. I, I don't. Do I have him top ten? I absolutely do. But I wouldn't have him number one. You say, but Steve, well, well who is number one? Well, in my mind, it's J.J. Harrell. And I think a lot of it's because of the position he plays. You know, I'm, I'm not a guy that would ever put, like, an offensive lineman at number one unless he's like a tackle, you know, unless he's a Derek Sherrod type guy, uh, unless he's a Laramie Tunsil type guy, you know, a guy that you can kind of plug in there and, and get after pretty early in his career. I think this is one of those years it's a little bit weird because I think a lot of people don't have the measurables that a lot of people are listing. And, again, Kamarion Franklin, I, I look at him and I think in my, he's, we've got him number two in the composite. I would have him as the second-best player in this state, even though he is a little bit reluctant at times to play the run. I think there's nothing wrong with Kamarion Franklin that college coaching won't fix. And, again, he may end up at Ole Miss. That won't change my opinion of his ability. I really like the kid. I like him better than Wilder. I like him considerably more than Rush. I like Cameron Beavers. Even though Beavers is, is uh, ranked fourth in my personal rankings, I got him third. I love his game. I do. And you say, but, Steve, that's going to be two Ole Miss commitments in your personal top three. And you know what? I'm not here to tell you uh, that my evaluations are based on where they're going to go to school. I think Kamarion Franklin, there's a really good chance he ends up at Ole Miss for sure. And you look at this Rush thing and Beavers thing, you say, man, they could have uh, three of the top four players in the state. It's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. But when you look, ideally, and you look at the full expanses of the state this year, you know, state's doing a really good job. Doing a really good job with this, with this group. Um, you know, some of the guys that I think should move up uh, in the rankings, in the state rankings, I think obviously uh, Alex Foster is very undervalued at 33rd. I think that's a bit of a joke. Trey Petty is 32nd. That's completely wrong. And I think Trey Petty's senior film will prove that. And I think part of that, too, is nobody's, nobody's really advocated for Trey. Fred Clark at 31, that's a joke. He's kind of got the default ranking of 85 on him. I think that's wrong. Aaron Travis is 30. I'm good with that. Jathan Hatch recently committed to Louisville. He's 20. I'm good with that. Jeremy Scott, 28. Good with that. Chris Davis recently decommitted from Ole Miss and committed to Stanford. Uh, he's currently ranked 27th. I think that's probably about right. Uh, Kobe Williams at Amory is, is an interior offensive lineman. He's an intriguing guy. Recently watched film on him. And, uh, you know, obviously we got some good connections over at Amory. So far, his recruitment hadn't really taken off. That's a guy to really watch. Uh, T.J. Lockhart at 22. I'm fine with that there. Zyron Brown is 23. I think that's probably about right. I might even drop him a little bit just because I would like to move a couple guys up. But Zyron Brown kind of limited – uh, to play center. They list him at 6'4". I don't know if it's absolutely accurate, but I love his game. He's an explosive player. 
Uh, he can kind of play up and down the line in high school, but I think he's pretty locked in on the interior. Uh, William Eccles, I think, is the best offensive lineman in the state, and that includes Isaiah Autry. I think William Eccles possesses a physicality that Isaiah Autry doesn't. I think Isaiah is probably smart to go to Oklahoma, even though Oklahoma's coming to the SEC. Uh, I think that he is a guy that pro- in that kind of run-and-shoot type deal, I think he fits better there. Can he be part of a ground-and-pound offense? I don't know that I believe that. Not at this point in his career. He certainly has the measurables to be a big-time player. But he's ranked 18th, and I've seen some people kind of complain about that. I think it's about right. And, again, one of my favorite players in the class, and everybody's really talking about, is Damian Miller. I love this kid's game. I think he's a freak. And now he's currently ranked 17th in the state. I think that's probably about right. But don't be surprised if that kid doesn't end up with some SEC offers before it's all said and done. But that's how I see things. And I think it's important to understand we'll continue to monitor this. But after seeing some of these guys in camp, my opinion about them has changed uh, a good deal. And, listen, I can find something right or wrong with every player. And I think that's the better part of evaluation is you got to find some guys that maybe have some deficiencies you can live with or some things you think you can coach out of them. But I like our class. I said from the beginning, I said even last year, next year's class is going to be outstanding. And I think the, the out-of-state interest this year really kind of proves that. So we'll see what's next. But, uh, again, I think State really has to work hard to get William Eccles. I think we can. Uh, but that, that would be a big get. And then uh, Tyler Woodard, former Mississippi State commitment, ended up at East Mississippi Community College. Don't be surprised if he ends up in the class uh, by the end of summer. And, again, watch Damian Miller. You know, that's a guy right there you look at. He's got great straight line speed. He's got great uh, raw athleticism. You know, this is a guy, what is he, uh, you know, six foot, 690 pounds, 4'5", 40, 35-inch vert, 10'3", in the broad. I mean, that's a guy right there that's a freak. You turn on the film and you can see the raw athleticism. But, again, this is a guy that really hadn't had a high level of coaching, and that's not in any way disrespectful of the staff at Port Gibson. I think having a Darius Barnes as his DB coach will only make it better because he has played wide receiver much of his career. A Darius convinces him to come over and play the defensive side of the football. And if he had better, better lateral movement, I think you could put him at corner. I think he is that freaky. I just think in the end, you put him in a college weight room, he's going to outgrow that position. So watch that. We'll see how things progress. But, again, it's a great year in state. Uh, but I don't think it's as, as great as maybe some people suggest. I think there are some players at the top of this uh, cycle that are uh, a little bit overrated. And we talked about that here a few years ago. And maybe we'll go back and look at that class. As a couple of years ago, everybody in the industry was like, oh, this is like the best year in Mississippi forever. I'm like, no, it's not. Oh, but it is. No, it's not. And I told everybody then, I said, you're going to have more busts in this class than you've seen because of the fact that these rankings are so inflated because people are counting offers rather than watching film. That's the true measure of a, of a prospect. I don't care who they claim offers from. I don't really care how they do in 7-on-7. Seven seven. I don't care how fast they run in the combine. What do you do when the band is playing? What happens on Friday night? I know a lot of guys that run really well in T-shirt and shorts that have zero contact courage we don't play southeastern conference football on a seven on seven field you got to be able to go out there and hit and be hit and get up and play the next down and there are a lot of guys out there they don't have that they don't have it they don't have that same level of tenacity required to play at this level that's one things in our industry that i'll say 
we see guys and you're like, oh, he's so freaky. Hey, put the film on. What does he do on the field? Because, you know, we're not putting together a track team, putting together a football team. They're like, oh, yeah, well, he, he does so great in coverage here. Will he tackle anybody? He's just going to pull a flag? I know a bunch of guys out there that can run you down and pull a flag when there's no possibility of getting injured. It's a different level of football. This is the Southeastern Conference. Just sitting the Boy Scouts. You know, are, are they Our Lady of Benevolence 7-on-7 tournament? It's not. And so you get the 7-on-7 evaluation. You get the camp 40 times. You get the, the, the measurements and the testing results. And you hope they validate what you think about a kid on film. There are a lot of guys that are great athletes that are not great football players. And a lot of guys out there, no matter how pretty they look getting off the bus, will not play the run. And in this conference, if you're not willing to play the run, if you're not willing to be the hammer rather than the nail, you're not going to play. I don't, I don't care how many stars you get by your name. I don't care how many people offer you a scholarship or claim to have offered you a scholarship. If you will not play the run, you will not be successful in the Southeastern Conference, period. That's it for today. Go to uh, dogpilebook.com. You can get most of my sports books there. Dogpile, we've had, we had a nice little run here as of late. Dogpile, uh, Alpha Dogs, and Flam Flam, all available through dogpilethebook.com. Uh, Bloomsville Leander will soon be going out of print. So if you hadn't got it, you can get it from Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com, or through your local bookstore. Stark Villains gear always available at StarkVillains.com. Been selling that for a long time, and we're still selling shirts every month. Outfit your family in Stark Villains gear and be ready to roll. Rep the brand. And if you're not a member of our group over at JeansPage.com, you can take advantage 50% off the annual subscription right now, just in time to kind of get ready for fall camp. You can come be a part of that. Come to JeansPage.com, and that's uh, 50% off the annual subscription. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.